With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Hangover. I'm your Still Curtain host, uh, Still Curtain Network host, Daniel. Alongside with me always is Shannon. Shannon, how are you doing? How was your weekend? Well, it was a really nice weekend. Uh, you know, it's it's in the 80s, which is warm for us here in West Virginia. I know that's nothing compared to what you're dealing with. But right. uh, so we're today we're getting, it'll be real muggy and sunny. And then all of a sudden you have a, a thunderstorm come through for about, 15 minutes and then it gets sunny again and it's done it twice now. So, uh, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been, uh, it was a nice weekend and I'm looking forward to celebrating the fourth tomorrow. Oh yeah, man. Me too. Uh, well, to a certain extent, me and the wife have a couple, couple of dogs. And so, uh, usually the firework festivities tend to get them riled up a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, we're excited about the area we live in. We live outside of uh, city limits, so there's like no holds bar when it comes to fireworks. <laughs> yeah. You know, when we first moved here and uh, our first uh, New Year's Eve, it looked like a war zone. There was smoke and yeah. <laughs> everything everywhere. It, it was amazing. Uh, but like I said, the dogs they don't they don't seem to care for it too much. But I'm excited <laughs> for it. I'm excited for it. Uh, I got one <clears throat> dog that doesn't like it. At all. She she gets scared and hides behind the couch. And the other one, the golden retriever, he don't pay no attention at all. Mm-hmm. And he can even go out on the porch while we watch him. Because they're going off all the you know, all the farms around us. They're putting off fireworks. So I just I don't do it anymore. I just sit out there and watch them. But he he couldn't care less. Yeah. No, one hundred percent. Like you know, every dog's different, I guess. Yep, yep. I I have one that is won't handle it so we uh, it's my females we we have to like turn the radio up super yeah, loud yeah. and uh it's it is what distractions. it is distractions distractions 100% uh, speaking of distractions let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers to distract us about the nothingness that's going on right now uh, when it comes to this portion of the, of the year uh, last year we i mean last year last week we talked about the running backs and you know, we talked and discussed and debated our favorite and best running backs of all time that have ever worn the black and gold. Uh, before we get into today's topic, will you tell us a little bit about where we're going to go with this going forward, uh, Shannon? Yeah, when me and you started talking about doing this series of 
hangovers because it's just the dead part of the off season. And, you know, we're, we're talking a lot of stuff to death and I'm like, let's do something different. And so we start talking about the all time best. Now there's some positions you really can't, it's not going to be worthy of a show because let's say middle linebacker, well, that's Jack Lambert. Defensive tackle, it's me, Joe Gray. Some, there's really some positions that the answer is obvious. And then there's other you know, positions that's kind of up for debate. So we we even thought about doing wide receiver. But right. there was some of that in an article this past week and a lot of conversation there. And I think it was covered very well. So we decided this week to go with outside linebacker because there's been a ton of great players and it's debatable. Uh, then next week, we're going to do the center position, which the Steelers are renowned for their Hall of Fame centers, and maybe Pouncey will be the next one. Uh, then the following week, it's going to be the cornerback position. There's really only two candidates, but it's the two, arguably the two best candidates in NFL history at cornerback, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then the last show will be the last one before training camp starts. And then, you know, we're going to, you know, switch gears, but the last show will be about the quarterback position where we debate Terry Bradshaw versus Ben Roethlisberger. And I think that's the one that's going to get the most impact, make the most impact because that's an argument waiting to happen because it's kind of 50, 50 split in Stiller nation. So I think that's going to be an interesting one as well. 100%, 100%. A lot of people are going to be talking about the results when it comes to, um, you know, that debate, one being four Super Bowls versus two, another being the yards and, the you know, the uh, attempts and the completions uh, mm. that the younger uh, Ben Roethlisberger had versus uh, Terry Bradshaw. So that's going to be an awesome debate in a few weeks. I'm looking forward to uh, talking it out with you. But as we mentioned today, we're going to be talking about outside linebackers. And, and there has been a tr- you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers are known for their linebackers. And throughout the years, the outside linebacker position has been one uh, that has been a dominant position for the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's been several defensive players of the year, uh, you know, award winners at the position, uh, you know, several players who have struck fear in the opposition's quarterback. And we're going to talk about that today. So uh, first and foremost, let's talk about your top five linebackers of all time for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll start off with you, Shannon. Now, I still like to call them outside linebackers. I know it's edge is the the term, the modern term, but uh, to me it was always inside and outside guys. and um, Or back in the day it was a middle linebacker because, right. you know, they only had one in the four or three. But uh, as far as outside linebackers, my top five are Jack Ham, Greg Lloyd, Joey Porter, um, Debo, James Harrison, and T.J. Watt. Now, are those in order? Not necessarily. That's just my top five. Those are your top five. Those yes. are your top, and a great top five. In fact, my top five has four of the same people. So, uh, you know, the same would be T.J. Watt, uh, Greg Lloyd, James Harrison, Joy Porter. Now, I'm not saying or taking anything away from Jack Cam. I'm fairly positive he's a fantastic outside linebacker. He's in the Hall of Fame for a reason. I've seen some highlights, but I wasn't around when he was playing. And so, uh, for me, I supplemented or I put in Kevin Green. Now, I know he was only here for a short time, but I felt that his impact while he was a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, you know, alongside with Greg Lloyd, uh, you know, Blitzburg back in the day, that was my childhood growing up. That was – you know, um, I wanted to play defense because of those two guys. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so um, to me, those are my my list of top five. For me, the my favorite player to have watched ever was probably going to be Greg Lloyd. The, guy, the way that guy just hit the opposition and the quarterbacks and the fear that he struck. And, you know, it was during a time when I was playing Pop Warner and, and going into, uh, you know, school uh, organized football activities for the first time. And, you know, I wanted to play like him. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Greg Lloyd was probably my favorite to have watched. And for me, I think the best outside linebacker that's ever played uh, is probably going to be the one we're watching now in TJ Watt. 
You know, he's got the sack record. He's got the defensive player of the year. He needs he needs a couple Lombardis. Don't get me wrong, but I think he's he's on his way. Uh, who was your favorite outside linebacker to, to watch, and who who do you think is the best that you've seen? <clears throat> well, I'm older, so I remember Jack Ham uh, towards the end of his career. You know, in the last couple of Super Bowl uh, of the Still Curtain Dynasty there, and Jack Ham, we was talking before the show. The best way to describe him. Is if you say Luke Keechley play inside linebacker, that's what you've seen when you say Jack can play outside linebacker, and that he was fundamentally sound and excelled at everything. He had no weakness. He was smarter than everybody else. He was so smooth moving around the field. He was he was like your first move linebacker that he could match up in coverage. He was a good run defender. He could blitz if necessary. He wasn't physical and intimidating like Jack Lambert, but he was cerebral. And of all these guys we're talking about, none of them approach him for his instincts and his all well-rounded game. The only reason I didn't have Kevin Green on the list is, like you said, he was only in Pittsburgh for a short period. And to me, Green was always more of a 4-3 edge guy, a uh, 4-3 end, or, you know, he he was more of just a strict pass rusher. You didn't want to drop him into coverage. You know, his game was more of that one-dimensional. And all these other guys we're, we're listing were more well-rounded. So that's why they, you know, because they also stores had Mike Merriweather, and one time, you know, he was an outstanding uh, player, almost was defensive player of the year, and had 15 sacks one year. So there's right. been some guys that have really uh, played, uh, you know, super, super football for the Steelers. But to me, Jack Ham um, was the smartest. Uh, my favorite, personal favorite, will always be Greg Lloyd. I had the jerseys. I had the T-shirts. Avoid Lloyd. I had to, I wasn't hired for my disposition. I, I just loved everything about watching him. When, the other day, well, it was about a year ago now, but Chad Brown was on a podcast. And they asked him, who do you think were the best linebackers, outside linebackers in Steelers history? And he was a very good one himself. But Chad Brown mentioned Lloyd first. And he also mentioned Debo and TJ. But he, he said that Lloyd was completely dominant, but he intimidated everybody, even mm. his own teammates. <laughs> and what people forget is there was a game in Chicago, and the Steelers never win in Chicago. They do not play good in Chicago. And they were losing, and the defense was keeping them in the game, but Neil O'Donnell was sucking big time. And you could tell he seemed like he was scared. He was just like a, you know, like a, a deer in headlights. And about the third quarter, Lloyd come off the field, and he was pissed. And he went over and got in Neil O'Donnell's face. And I, it quickly became apparent that Neil O'Donnell was more scared of Greg Lloyd than he was of the Chicago Bears. And he went out, and he played much better, and they would come back and won. <laughs> that is a type of leadership that the Steelers have not had for a good while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's different ways to lead. But Lloyd... He was so passionate. And, you know, Bill Cower knew how to use that. You know, he right. knew how to use that intensity, and he would be able to help Lloyd focus and, and channel that aggression. And um, just like Debo, Lloyd and Debo would, would not be able to play in this game without really adjusting in this area if they didn't really adjust their game because mm-hmm. they were so physical. And if they got a chance to take that knockout shot, they took it. You know, right. maybe the ball was a little bit gone or, you know, but they did. They they played that physical. So I agree with you. Uh, my personal favorite just to ever watch, and I got to see him play in person, uh, was Greg Lloyd. Man, I wish I could have seen him play in person. I was uh, I was a little bit young then and didn't have the uh, control of those type of things at that point. And also living in Texas. Well, they did go play Houston quite a bit back in the day. Yeah, uh, they did. That was one of the things that my dad told me, like, 
because me the first time that me and my dad actually went to go see the, the Steelers play Houston was against the Houston Texans in 2005, which ended up being the season that the Steelers go on and win the Super Bowl. So it was a it's a fantastic memory for myself because yeah. I get to say I saw the team yeah. that ended up winning the Super Bowl. Uh, but you know, we had talked about it afterwards. Like, man, we really missed an opportunity to come out here when the Steelers used to go out to Houston every single year. Um, I'll actually be out there this year uh, when they go and play in uh, in Houston. I think it's like what week four or so. And so, uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that did, game. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. And so, you know, <clears throat> when it comes to Greg Lloyd, and we talk about how he played, you know, during his time, you know, he was a very strong, imposed his will, very fearful. Uh, or impose fear on the opposition. Uh, do you think that that would have translated into today's football? Do you think that he would be able to play in today's football and, and his style, would that translate today? Or is that something that was of that time, in your opinion? Well, intimidation was a big part of his game. And like I right. said, he would have had to really uh, toned it down and adjusted. But we see Harrison towards the end start to adjust. Um, and we've seen that you can still be physical within the rules. And I think that Lloyd, after if he got fined enough and, and everything, he would have been able to adjust. Uh, he wouldn't have been as effective. See, mm-hmm. Lloyd would have been even more effective in the 60s and 70s because the rules were even more lax then. Right. And that so, you know, a lot of times guys like, well, they, they came an error or two too late. But Lloyd hit it pretty much in the sweet spot. Now, J- uh, James Harrison would have really loved the 60s and 70s. Yeah. Uh, and then some guys, like Jack Ham, would be even more valuable today because as a mm-hmm. move linebacker, a coverage linebacker, in that well-rounded game, he'd be making mucho money right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, it's just uh, when a guy plays in what era, what the rules are, what the, the – uh, we know it's a passing league now. Mm-hmm. Um, and teams are starting like the Steelers are planning on doing it this year. It looks like they're going to try to take advantage of the fact that teams are built to uh, slow down the passing game. And they're going to try to take advantage of that and accentuate their running game with right. that solid offensive line and the, and the talent they have with the running backs and tight ends. So um, it's always evolving, but uh, no, Louis could definitely play today. I mean, all these guys that I, we've talked about could play in today's era um, because great players, they have that ability to adjust. And we and we know how smart I just told you that Ham was. Right. But also he would have different dietary, different training regimen, chiropractic, all the advantages they have now. The, 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 the training facilities are incredible. Jack Ham would be, would be even more muscular more if you know in shape and right. it was like well he, he looks small compared to, yeah but a lot of those players back then were considered smaller uh they because they didn't have the same advantages they have now right technology and, yeah. and medicals you know yeah. has come a long way since the yes. 70s and so <laughs> uh, and, and that's translated on the field with you know higher performance athletes but you're absolutely correct you know it doesn't it doesn't mean that the determination and the ability to to get there wasn't there for those players, and you know, having been given the uh, the same opportunity of the same you know, uh, weight plan and things of that nature, they probably would have been at a higher level. Uh, so, when it comes to the outside linebacker position, the Pittsburgh Steelers have been known as a team to attempt to confuse the opposition by sending blitzes from different places, which would oftentimes make you know the outside linebacker have to go into coverage. Would Jack Ham, in your opinion, be the guy who is the uh, best suited for that? Is he the best pass coverage outside linebacker that the Pittsburgh Steelers have ever had? Oh, as far as pass coverage, definitely. I mean, because he was just so smooth, he could cover a running back, tight end, uh, some receivers even back in the day. Uh, so his his pass coverage, um, his instincts, uh, fundamentals. Uh, I, we was talking about premonition. I remember a game that against the Bengals, and the Bengals were having some success running the ball, which didn't happen a lot against the Steelers. Uh, and they were they were doing a lot of outside sweep runs, and they were getting outside, and and you know doing a lot of chop blocks and, and cutting down our defensive line. Well, they were setting up, 
a screen pass to the backside to their fullback. And they just kept, you know, it, you, you know, you knew they were going to do something, play action off of this. Well, Ken Anderson, he goes with the, the fake and he carries it out and he turns around. And when he goes to the third of the backside, Ham's waiting on the ball. He's standing in front of the <laughs> fullback and he's waiting on it. And, and, and then I realized even then at a young age, I'm like, he's a step or two ahead of, of the offense. And, and you know, and it's, it wasn't like that was a play they run all the time. You know, it just, he just had that feel and that instinct. So um, you don't see that as much. Nowadays, everybody wants to go for the big hit, the big play. And they thought he would be coming in because nobody blocked him. And he'd be trying to get to Anderson from behind in pursuit. But he didn't. He see what they were setting up. He stopped and just faded back. And that's what I'm talking about. That's the kind of instincts that Ham had. Yeah, that's, I mean, definitely this sounds like the, probably the best pass coveraging outside linebacker the Steelers had, have ever had, you know, just kind of going through my mind and thinking of all the different pass rushers that they've had that have been forced to go into coverage. You know, it's always been somewhat of a mismatch, it, you know, not in the Steelers favor when it, when they've been mm-hmm. put in that position. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I think that you're absolutely right in that situation. Um, you know, I have one more question before we go into our break. And, and that is if you could pair up the two, top um, in, uh, outside linebackers together who what two would you pair up together in their prime oh man um <laughs> that is tough because uh, like i said just trying to pick which one's the best we will eventually have to do that so far right. we've just said who are our favorite right but right, right. but trying to say who's the best is tough enough but um i think in the if we're talking about in today's nfl um I do think Jack Lambert's coverage skills uh, would be such uh, a Jack Ham, his coverage skills will be such a benefit in mm-hmm. today's game. And, you know, Greg Lloyd or, or James Harrison in his prime, that's a tough one. Harrison was, <laughs> was so dominant and he was so, you know, he was a better pass rusher than Lloyd. Lloyd was a great mm-hmm. pass rusher. I remember him coming around the edge sometimes and he looked like he was riding a wave that he was in the 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 circle of the wave. I can't remember what you call it, the, the riptide or whatever, not the riptide. Because he would be leaning that far. Right. He would get that low. He'd come around that edge and get them sacks and tons of strip, strip sacks. That was the Lloyd specialty. And right. uh, whereas Harrison did it because he was just so stout and short and he was built like a block, center block, that guys were pushing down on him and he was just going right around him. Because he was so much shorter, right? Um, but I would have to say probably Jack Ham, and uh, and I'd probably have to go Harrison, just because you'd have the one guy for coverage, and the other guy for that dominant pass rush. You see, I, I completely get what you're saying, and I agree for, for the most part. But for me, uh, I would put T.J. Watt in that mix, and I would have, I would like to see what T.J. Watt and Greg Lloyd could do together. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that would be pretty There's no amazing. wrong answer. <laughs> there, no, you're absolutely right. There's no wrong but a, But I will tell you this. A terrifying answer for the opposition would have been, you know, James Harrison and Greg Lloyd. On oh, yeah. yeah. That would have been uh, – that's a headache waiting to happen, in my opinion. <laughs> and so uh, – and would have been one that would have been terrifying. But, yeah, I think T.J. Watt – and I know we got to see a, a little bit of that early on in T.J. Watt's career. But I think during the time that – both guys were playing that was towards the end of Harrison's career, the beginning of, of Watt's career. Neither one of them were in their prime at that point. It yeah. would have been nice to have seen them both in their prime and, and, and the damage that they could have done together in that aspect. We got a small glimpse of that. And I thought that, you know, both of them did well. In fact, it was uh, James Harrison, apparently, he's come out and stated that he had told the uh, defensive coaches that he felt that, you know, TJ should be on the, uh, on the left side versus the right side um, because of the way he bends and the way he, uh, he had a move or whatnot. And, and that it was just, he did something there that he couldn't do on the opposite side. And, and that's how they ended up working out on, on both sides. Um, But yeah, no, I think that like, you're absolutely right. There is absolutely no wrong answer when it comes to those two. 
but we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to continue this conversation on the YouTube side. Stay right there on the uh, audio side. We'll be back after words from our sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, and we're back. Welcome back, y'all. Uh, this is The Hangover. I'm Daniel J. Alongside with Shannon White. And we're talking the great debate on the outside linebackers. Uh, but before we get into it, do you have anything uh, coming up for the website or a podcast that are coming out this week that you want to throw out there? No, uh, just uh, Wednesday night uh, at 8.30, we'll have our curtain call. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, we're uh, going to have a uh, a guest host uh, with me. And I'm not sure exactly who that's going to be yet, but but I'm sure it'll be uh, interesting. And, and everybody make sure to tune in. I heard it was Lady Gaga, but who knows? You're going to have to tune uh, in to find out. <laughs> <laughs> who knows you're gonna have to tune in to find out so. maybe laney wilson and duck hodges one of those two yeah not yeah. both yeah somebody a couple, so they could be on that'd be great <laughs> somebody will be there the only way you'll know is if you go check it out so make sure you like and subscribe um oh yeah i don't know how i didn't answer this top of the show i brought this up to you there's been rumors circulating that reuben foster former first round pick current uh, inside linebacker, I believe, for the Maulers in USFL, apparently had himself a season. There's been talks that he might end up with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Do you see any uh, possibility of that happening there, Shannon? I I read that. I think it was Vince Williams is the one that put it out. Right. That he thought it would be a, a possibility. And if you watched – I didn't really watch the USFL until the, the playoffs – and then, because mm-hmm. uh, it was on prime time, and I would sit there and I would catch a little bit of it, and I seen the Pittsburgh Maulers, right. and he was always such a great athlete. I mean, we're talking about a multi-time All-American in high school. Then he's an All-American in Alabama, and he was looked like he was going to be the next big thing at linebacker in the NFL. And he started doing some really, he made some bad decisions. Uh, from what he was getting his physical at the combine and, and, you know, made a big deal out of the way he said he was being treated and he left and didn't do any of the interviews. And uh, he scored a nine on the Wonderlick test, which I think you do that if you get your name right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, it was just kind of like uh, Carter this year and that you're seeing a guy with the, all this talent but you you got to worry about the decision making off the field, 
Right. And um, in the USFL, he was all over the place. I mean, in the playoffs, he was making plays. He was he was penetrating. Um, he looked really impressive. He didn't look like he belonged in the USFL. Uh, right. But again, his talent, his athleticism, screams NFL, and it always has. And he had some success with the 49ers when they drafted him. But again, he made bad decisions. You know, just gun charges, domestic violence, uh, marijuana. I mean, it was just, it was one thing after another. And when you get a, the NFL will give guys like him with that much talent second and third and fourth and fifth chances. It never worked. He eventually he's out of the NFL. Right. Um, you'd love to see him put it together, find the maturity that he needs as a man to take advantage of the athletic God-given athletic ability that he has. Uh, now he's 29 years old. This is it. I mean, if this, you know, outstanding showing there for the USFL, if that gives him another chance, this is going to be it. And you hope that he could capitalize on it. If they bring him in, where's he going to play? Who's he going to knock off the roster? You know, I, I consider him an inside linebacker. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think he's better or a better option than Holcomb and Roberts, who are not only your leaders, but outstanding men. Uh, Mark Robertson, who's just as athletic and just as uh, passionate. Um, you know, I mean, there there could be that four spot. I don't know. Uh, it, you know, they might give him a shot. Uh but at this point, I, I wouldn't hold my breath. Well, there's also the uh, Kalkutsky or Kwiatkowski. Kwiatkowski. I said it backwards. When first yes. Uh, yeah, I forgot. I didn't even. Uh, Kwiatkowski. Yeah, I didn't even. And I'm the one that told you how to say his name. And I forgot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's the other outside or inside yeah. linebacker that's uh, that, that that's on the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. I, I mean, you know, for depth, I, I guess he can knock off maybe uh, – uh, Kwiatkowski, I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe they're going with four or five. I, I don't, I don't know. How many, how many inside linebackers do you think the Steelers are going with with the fifth three this year? I, I think they're going to go with five and one and four to other. So it could be five outside guys and four inside guys. To me, it would be five inside guys because mm-hmm. Tanner Muse is an outstanding special teams guy, and he can offer you some snaps at safety if need be. Right. And Kwiatkowski is an outstanding special teams guy. And, you know, he's a proven veteran and would be able to be a real solid, say, number four inside right. linebacker. So I would expect five inside linebackers and four outside linebackers. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I mean, we'll see then. I mean, I, th- I do think that if, if Foster was given an opportunity to be a, you know, go to training camp or, or whatnot – uh, I think that would be a big possibility for him to be able to get on the field, you know, with the, you know, the players that the Pittsburgh Steelers have. I feel that when you look at Kwiatkowski and you look at Tanner Muse, that um, I think one of those guys can do a job. I don't know if you need both of them. You get what I'm saying? Like yeah. they're both special teams guys. And I think you do okay with just one as long as health, you know, obviously, you know, is there, I don't remember Foster ever playing on special teams, but I'm sure regardless if he comes in, he's going to have to learn it. And he'll have to, yes, yes. Yeah, he's not going to have that opportunity. <laughs> His pedigree of being at once a first-round pick isn't going to – it doesn't mean anything at this point anymore. Oh, no, and, no, no. And one thing, about, a... one thing about Tanner Muse, and I've heard it mentioned, uh, you know, just in hush tones, but that mm-hmm. Muse could give them that coverage linebacker in certain packages that, that everybody's really concerned about. Uh, and Muse is, he's that, he's four, four, one guy. Right. Uh, and, and he can really move. Uh, and like I said, uh, he kind of plays like a box safety, you know, small linebacker. He's actually, um, an upgrade for Marcus Allen from last year, Yeah, which isn't saying much, but I think he can actually <laughs> give them some snaps on defense. Oh, that's true. I look forward to it. I, I think that the, the the guys that the Steelers have put on this team, the team that they've built uh, depth-wise, is, 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 is 
is impressive at this point. We still got to yep. see it come together. We still got to see how it works out in training camp. But to this point, it seems like they're they're filling up the slots appropriately. So to get back into the outside linebacker position, you know, earlier we talked about Kevin Green and Greg Lloyd being on the field at the same time. In your opinion, which one was Batman and which one was Robin? I think that by that point in Kevin Green's career, you know, he was a little older than mm-hmm. Lloyd. Uh, and like I said, to me, Green was one of the greatest pass rushers ever. I loved his intensity. Uh, you know, he was the he was Hulk Hogan on the field with the, <laughs> the flowing locks and the the intensity, you know, and, and he would just get the, the crowd amped up and get his teammates amped up. But I think the better all-around player, uh, without a doubt, was Greg Lloyd. Uh, uh-huh. Kevin Green said the same thing uh, at his Hall of Fame induction. He, he loved Lloyd and thought that Lloyd should be in the Hall of Fame. Lloyd had a terrible knee injury to start his NFL career, and he had a terrible knee injury to end his NFL career. Without that knee injuries, uh, he would be an, uh, easily a Hall of Fame player because he was he was having uh, he was going to have another monster season when he blew his knee out against Jacksonville. So, um, yeah, the, Lloyd kind of falls into that Terrell Davis. Guys whose careers weren't very long because of you know drastic injuries, but you know during that their time they were dominant. I mean, he was right. runner-up defensive player of the year two years in a row. One year he lost to Rod Woodson. I mean, he couldn't help. He had Rod Woodson on the same team as him, but that's how <laughs> great he was. You know, uh, Greg Lloyd yeah. was a great player. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. You know, for me, I was very. Young, I remember them playing. I just couldn't, you know, I wouldn't be able to tell you without having to go back and watch some games, which one was, you know, outside linebacker one and which one was number two. Uh, but in your opinion, in Steelers history now, I know we've been talking about the best, you know, outside linebacker, but who's been the best Robin in your opinion? Who's been that uh, number two outside linebacker that that can help out that main guy, in your opinion, in Steelers history? Oh, because we've had so many great, Batman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's also been a lot of really good Robins. Uh, that's true. That's, yeah, true. that's true. Um, uh, you know, if I say that Kevin Green is Robin, it has to be him <laughs> because he, you know, he's, he's, uh, he was that great. Uh, right. Now there's been guys like Jason Gilden and, and Clark Higgins. There's been other guys that were, were really, gr- really, really good players. But no, if the best Robin ever, yeah, it would have to be Kevin Green. I agree. I agree one hundred percent. That's who I was going to go with. I felt that Greg Lloyd was probably the uh, the main focus point of the outside linebacker position when he was playing, and that while Kevin Green uh, was on the field with him, that he would have been that that not so much backup role, but that uh, support system on the opposite side. You know, the Alex Highsmith to T.J. Watt, uh, so to speak. Um, but you know, you brought up some names. One of them being Jason Gilden. Jason Gilden, to me, I thought was a fantastic outside linebacker. To me, Jason Gilden is probably uh, one of the most underrated outside linebackers in Pittsburgh Steelers history. You know, he he held the sack, you know, record for the Steelers for a, for a while. Yeah. And so <clears throat> I felt that he was very underrated. For you, who, who do you think is the most underrated outside linebacker? Well, uh, well, his name hasn't even come up since I mentioned it in the original list. Yeah. But Joey Porter, um, Joey Porter, people don't understand that he was so good. He didn't get a lot of double-digit sacks seasons with the Steelers. Mm-hmm. He was consistent about eight, eight or nine, eight to nine, ten. Um, then when he went to Miami, he had a big, huge season with Miami where that's all they asked him to do. In Pittsburgh, he dropped into coverage a lot. You know how they use their uh, outside linebackers then. But Joey Porter's was another super intense guy. Whether it was fighting Willie Green on the field before the Browns game, whether it was trying to get Ray Lewis to come off the team bus to fight him in the parking lot, uh, Joey Porter set the tone for those teams. On defense, they, you know, he carried that hard edge that Lloyd, the example Lloyd had set, Porter took it and ran with it. 
And then when Porter was gone, the guy replaced him, James Harrison, he ran with it. There's always been that guy who set the tone for the Steelers, and it was always a linebacker. But early it was, like I said earlier, Jack Lambert. He was the guy that set the tone for those defenses, the still curtain defenses. Now, you think all them Hall of Famers on that defense. And Jack Lambert was the alpha. He was the guy who set that tone, and everybody knew it. His teammates knew it. The other team knew it. And Cliff Harris found out the hard way. So there's always been that guy. And there for a while, I've said, I didn't think the Steelers had that guy. Uh, and I understand it's a different era and the rules are different, but you still have to have intensity. Mm-hmm. And and you had to, you know, I remember Ray Lewis firing up those really good defenses of the Ravens. Uh, Michael Singletary, uh, Sam Mills, all of these great defenses always had that linebacker that was that emotional leader. And uh, Joey Porter was that for the Steelers on them to uh, that Super Bowl team in 2005 for sure. Yeah, 100%. I think that Joey Porter sometimes like, gets gets a little bit overlooked or underrated because of the fact that there was such a smooth transition from him to James Harrison. Yeah. Uh, James yeah. Harrison, it was – in fact, I think it was uh, against Cleveland where where Porter got uh, – uh, they kicked him out of the game before the game started. Yeah, and, fighting Willie Green, yeah, running yeah, back. And, and so that was James Harrison's coming out party. Yeah. You know, he ended up – there, if I remember correctly, the announcer stated at the end of the game uh, something to the effect like "Joey, who?" Because of yeah, how yeah. well James Harrison had done, you know, you're, it was a Wally actually, Pitt moment. <laughs> it was. It was. Yeah, it's like, oh Lord, man, you don't want to miss no action because this guy's gonna take your job. One hundred percent, and eventually he <laughs> did. You know, uh, Joey Porter ended up going and following the bag, so to speak. Uh, do you think that Joey Porter should be in the Hall of Fame? It's my in my heart. I want Greg Lloyd in the Hall of Fame. I want Joey Porter in the Hall of Fame. Um, because at one point or another during their tenure, they like I said, they were the heart and soul, uh, the adrenaline that drove Super Bowl teams. That's what I that's what I respect. That's what I look for. I look for guys that have that winning edge. A lot of guys put up mad statistics, but it doesn't mean anything. Uh, when guys come through, when it's like, you know, the end of the game, uh, the team's trying to drive down and, and you know, TJ makes a big strip sack to finish the game or uh, Lamar Woodley in the Super Bowl when he got that big sack. Those are the moments that I think should be enshrined and those type of players. And So, yeah, I mean, I think Lloyd even more so. But, yeah, I would love to see Porter – uh, earn that honor. I do too. I do too. I think he, uh, I think he's got, I don't know if his stats are there or not. You know, I know he came pretty close to a hundred sacks. I'm yeah. not sure if he passed it or not. I think he was around that 99 range. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, had he not gone to Miami and he made it work out somehow in Pittsburgh, maybe he does gets it. Um, you know, a lot of people leave the Pittsburgh Steelers and their career doesn't continue in the yeah. trajectory that it was when they were still a member of the Steelers. And I think he was one of them, but he was also up there in age. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing his son play and seeing what he can do if he comes with the same tenacity and the same kind exactly. of energy. Yes. You know, um, I want, I'm, I'm excited to see that. And and I think we are, you know, when, when Joy Porter Jr. was drafted, there was an emotional moment there between him and uh, his father, Peasy. Uh, where Joey Porter Sr. was telling him to use that moment as fuel, you know, to show them that they you know, they should have selected him in the first round. And, you know, I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see that tenacity come back. Um, you know, but, yeah, Joey Porter, he's definitely one of the guys that I think you're absolutely right, is very under underrated and under underappreciated um, outside of the Pittsburgh Steelers fans. I think he should be. I got one more. Oh, who's that? And I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but Mike Merriweather mm-hmm. had one of the best seasons for an outside linebacker ever for the Steelers when he had the 15 sacks. I think it was 84. And, you know, he had like uh, first or second all pro three straight years, Pro Bowl, uh, defensive player of the year runner up. 
And there's, you know, like you talked about earlier, guys leaving and their careers never being the same. Contract dispute set out a whole season, didn't play. This was before the free agency. And, uh, you know, it got traded the next year to the Minnesota Vikings for a first-round pick and never approached what he did in Pittsburgh again, uh, even though he was a quality player. Uh, I would have liked to see what he could have done if he had stayed in Pittsburgh because he was just uh, – he was a great fit for their defense. And mm-hmm. uh, before Greg Lloyd, that's who would, Mike Merriweather would have reminded you a lot of and the, his being coming around the end and, and the way he imposed his will on the defense, I mean, on the offenses. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, that was a big disappointment, but – He's a guy that nobody talks much about anymore, but he was really great for a short period of time. Huh. Well, I'll be honest with you. I don't even remember him. When, what, what year did he play? Uh, it was like 82 to 80. Oh, that's why. Yeah, 85. Yeah, it was four-year <laughs> time. But he was he was a very good player. Right, right, right. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that was before my time. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, and I'm sure he was a fantastic player, though, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um <clears throat> How do you think that the outside linebacker has the linebacker position has changed over time? Um, do you see, you know, those physical type, those, you know, Harrison's and Greg Lloyd's ever coming back into this in today's football? I know that the offense kind of, you know, what they want to do kind of, you know, indicate, you know, will and uh, the defense will end up trying to cover whatever the offense is trying to do. So, you know, a push to running the ball more. Um, could bring back some of those more physical, bigger outside linebackers. Do you ever see the, that that being a you know position returning? Well, you know, the, with the rule changes and the the focus, as we talked earlier, there is always the evolution that offensive coordinators are trying to evolve and figure out ways to attack the modern day defenses and vice versa. But uh, usually, the Steelers could take smaller undersized defensive ends out of college for three ends and they can turn them into outside uh, or edge guys in their system. Um, But a lot of those guys lack the foot speed to, and they never dropped into coverage at all. And it's kind of like what Mark Robertson is going through right now, trying to learn how to drop into coverage. So it's not as easy as it used to be. And you're seeing a more of a hybrid linebacker. Uh-huh. Guys who can play like Nick Herbie. We don't know where he'll settle eventually. He might settle at off ball or he might stay at edge. But there's a lot of those guys around that size that, you know, that can offer you some flexibility and creativity on defense. So I think that would probably be what we're going to see. We're going to see guys that you can move around the formation. Mm -hmm. And teams want their pass rushers, whether you're 4-3 or whatever, you want your set uh, pass rushers. uh, And you're not really worrying about them dropping back into coverage much like the Steelers outside linebackers have for years. Right, right. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. And like I said also, you know, the transition, I, I think there is a move for offenses to go more power. Um, you yeah. know, I think we've seen the running back position maybe not come back as far as value and, you know, second contracts or things of that nature. But I've, I think we're, you know, as defenses moved for that hybrid inside linebacker, smaller coverage, I think offenses are moving more towards bigger bodies to, you know, act physically, you know, run the ball physically. I mean, look at what the Steelers have done this year. You know, they've created a basketball team on offense, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to, Definitely. you know, everywhere. And so, uh, you know, I think that's going to be a push, and I think maybe there could be a move back to a more bigger physical outside linebacker. Um, but I have, you know, one last question before we we call it a show, and, and that is, um, is T.J. Watt going to be the next outside linebacker to be in the Hall of Fame, or do you think that there's a possibility somebody else gets in before him? Uh, at the outside linebacker position? Yeah, just the outside linebacker. Anybody in the NFL. Uh, no, 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 or just, just out of the Steelers. Steelers, just the Steelers. Yeah. Well, if, if anybody does, it's going to be TJ. Because uh, I don't think, like I said, Lloyd and Porter and them guys, if they get in, it'll be later and part of the veterans committee and stuff like that. But 
Uh, TJ, if he can stay healthy, uh, which, you know, that's with as we see with what happened with JJ, as they get older, those guys that go 100 mile an hour all the time and are workout fanatics, they seem like they start having strains and pulls and ligaments can only withstand so much torque. And, right, right. you know, and that's the scary thing. Uh, hopefully they're going to have some depth where they won't have to use TJ as much, give him some more rest, you know, keep him fresh throughout the season. But uh, yeah, barring, you know, a rash of injuries like JJ suffered, uh, TJ is destined for the Hall of Fame. Yes. Right, right. So how many more years do you think TJ has? Like at least what, four or five? Uh, yeah, I would say uh, he's got that kind of genetics uh, like a Kevin Green. You realize how long Kevin Green played. Yeah. Uh, and that's one reason why his numbers were so, you know, TJ's not that old. Right. And so I can easily see uh, four years uh, barn injury of, of high level play. And then we'll have to see. Right. So, I mean, we're looking at nine years down the road, nine to 10 years where he would be inducted. You don't think that's enough time to get a James Harrison into the Hall of Fame? Do you think James Harrison will ever get into the Hall of Fame? I think he's got the hardware. He's got the Defensive Player of the Year award. He's got a tremendous amount of sacks. He changed the game while he was there. Um, He was highly penalized because of it. (laughs) You know, I, I think that there's an argument for James Harrison to be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, I, I like again, I think he should be. Um, you know, he didn't he wasn't always real warm and fuzzy with the media. No. Well, the problem with that is something Lloyd wasn't either. What happens is they're the ones that vote. And you know, sometimes they take things personal and they don't want to vote them in and they make them wait. So that's the my only concern with, with Debo is that. People's going to make him wait because they didn't like him. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. I mean, like I said, he's he changed the game. He was a uh, he impelled he, he he put his force out there out on the field, penalized you know tremendously, over penalized. He sneezed the wrong way. He was getting a flag and a <laughs> yep, fine yep. at a certain point in his career. Um, you know, I, he's a defensive player of the year, Super Bowl champion, um, biggest you know, the play. career length. Biggest defense in play in Super Bowl history. 100%. I mean, that was that, that could have been another question is, you know, who yeah. had the biggest play? In, in, That's why he should be there. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. I mean, the mind game that he played, and it's not just also, it's the biggest moment against a opponent that made it to the Super Bowl. So the opponent was worthy, you know, yeah. and Kurt Warner ended up being a Hall of Fame quarterback that he Himself. intercepted yeah. and took back to the, to the house. And I believe the ball was going to Fitzgerald, who's a, if you know, probably a he's a Hall of Famer, yeah. Hall of Famer as well. <laughs> and so he should be in that mix. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. And, oh, yeah. and, and Thomas is right; that play was all him. It was, it, you know, he was going to come in. He saw what he saw, went back, uh, had the interception, and and took it to the house. I think it was. Uh, I can't remember the. Uh, the cornerback that was trying to take the ball away from him. Uh, but you know, he ended oh, up taking yeah. it to um, Oh, was that William Gay? I don't remember if it was Gary. Uh, maybe he was was trying to take it away, like, you know. Yeah, it may have been Townsend, it may have been Deshay, but one it of them was trying yeah, yeah. yeah, one of them was trying to take the ball away, and uh, <laughs> he just kind of pushes him, was like, no, yeah. and and it was funny because it, it looked like in all of the excitement and everybody jumping around. I think they forgot about him on the field. For yeah, he's just laying there. Yeah. He's just laying out. And so, uh, and, and absolutely right. I mean, he was the defensive player of the year that year as well. And so I think he should get in. I think that, you know, he has an argument to get in. Uh, I'd like to see it. I'd like to well, see Well, that it. brings up the question that we have to finish this with. And I'll let you go first. Who's the greatest outside linebacker in Steelers history? Currently, right now, I would have to say because TJ Watt's career isn't over yet, and and yeah. and right now he doesn't, you know, it looks like he's going to be that guy. Uh, but oh, man, that's a hard one. <laughs> it's a hard. One. That's what I'm saying. 
it, it really is. I think I made like the best, you know, argument for James Harrison because he had so many great things that happened. But you know, I, I would have to say, um, man, that is a difficult question to answer. <laughs> I, I would, you TJ, if because. <laughs> You can't answer that question. <laughs> it's so dang hard. I would say TJ Watt, even though his career is not over yet. Um, for me, just because I haven't seen Jack Cam or any of the greats from back in the day, I'm going to have to go with TJ Watt. Uh, and also that has to also come with the fact that I'm banking and betting that he's going to continue it at a very high performance level for a few more years. What about you? Well, as you know, and I think we both agree, Greg Lloyd was my favorite. Right. Ever. Uh, I think Jack Ham is the great, most underrated great player ever because people just do not realize what made him special. And you actually had to watch him to appreciate it. Right. And, he, you know, here's a Hall of Fame guy, four Super Bowls. It, it's hard to argue against that. But for me, I have to go with Debo, James Harrison, <laughs> just because when he was dominant, and he had his dominant games and his dominant plays. He did things that no player his size ever did. Mm -hmm. uh, and they were winning plays. And he brought that intimidating factor that Lloyd had and these some of these other guys. And, and that play was just – that play in the Super Bowl kind of seals it. But Because, yeah. you know, like I said, that's the immaculate reception on defense for the Steelers. So, uh, yeah, I would have to go with James Harris. Yeah, and it's not a wrong answer. It's not a but wrong it, it's, answer. And it's so hard. But I but I just when you think of those dominant stretches that, that Debo had, I, I I can't I have to go with him. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't blame you for that. And like I said, that was probably the it's just difficult because because Debo wasn't that high on my top five. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's yeah. like number maybe number three, number four. You know, I have Greg Lloyd above him. I have T.J. Watt above him. I even have maybe Joy Porter right at around the same, you know, with, with James Harrison on my top five. Yeah. You know, I have them tied for three, I guess. And so, um, you know, but there is that argument that in the biggest moments against the players that became Hall of Famers, yeah, he rose to the occasion. And in that big year as well was one of the main reasons why the Steelers ended up getting that sixth Lombardi. And so, uh, yeah, no, you can't – there's no wrong answer in that question. That's, that's sure. the that's the key to remember. There is no wrong answer in, in because I'm seeing all kind of names popping up. And when you're talking about them guys, there's no wrong answer. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Well, do you have anything coming up? I know you, well, I think we talked about it earlier. You have something coming up on Wednesday, right? Yes. The curtain call. So check that out at 830 on YouTube or – Later on, you know, on audio. So, well, I appreciate you, Shannon. This was a good one. Next week, we're talking centers. You yeah, I'm looking forward to it. it. You don't want to miss that one. So, make sure you like and subscribe and ring that notification bell. That way, you're notified when we go live. Uh, Shannon, take us out. Everybody, have a great fourth. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.